bless you today. Amen. You may be seated today in the presence of the Lord. Amen. We appreciate our worship team leading us into the presence of God today. Amen. We've been talking about accelerating to elevate. And Wednesday night we talked about leap year and how that God has set us up for us to catch up. And uh, whenever we begin to accelerate in the spirit, God will elevate us. And so we begin to talk about Zacchaeus and how that he was behind, but because he had a hunger for God, God strategically placed him in a place that he could, even though he was behind and could not get where God was, that God would place him to where he could get to where God was. Amen. Anytime there's a hunger in your heart to do more for God, he will make sure that you catch up. So you may be running behind today, but you can catch up. Tell your neighbor you can catch up. Amen. Today, I want to challenge you. I I believe they have that message on CD as well as on our website, perhaps. But if you weren't here Wednesday night, you owe it to yourself to get that word from the Lord. Amen. Uh, Today, I want to challenge you to to do more for God. How many know that, that God and his kingdom is not just about you being blessed, but it is about you being a blessing to others. And uh, so I want to talk to you this morning on this subject and challenge you for the weeks ahead uh, as we enter into our eight Sunday challenge, eight week challenge to prepare you and to equip you and to help you to ready yourself to win your family, win your coworkers, win your relatives, your neighbors, your enemies. Uh, to the Lord in this next few weeks. I'm putting my faith up in this thing, and this has been, as I said before, a natural time of harvest. It is something that comes naturally, but it does not come easily. The success that we have had in years past is not because we just sat around and said, Lord, uh, do whatever you want to do, but it's because we came together in prayer and in fasting And seeking the face of God. And as a result of that, we have seen many lives, many of your lives have been changed during this time because somebody prayed. Amen. Praise God. And so I want to talk to you this morning on this subject. Our church exists for others. Our church exists for others. In Daniel chapter number six and verse three, it says, Now Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the the straps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. That's what we must do. He said, now Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators that the king took notice and said, I'm going to put him over the whole kingdom. That's, That's what you need to do at your workplace tomorrow. You need to so distinguish yourself that people, your, your boss man will take notice that you have an excellent spirit. 
Amen. That's what you need to do in every area of your life is to do it with excellence, a spirit of excellence to the place that other people will take notice. Amen. Uh, Don't be sloppy and call yourself a Christian. Don't do it halfway and tell people you come to the tabernacle. Come on. Amen. Tell them you go to the first church of the frozen chosen or something, but bless God. Don't tell them you come to the tabernacle if you're just going to do it halfway. All right? But you, he said he had an exceptional or he had a, an above average spirit. He had a ex- spirit of excellence upon him that caused others to look at him and say, I want him. Amen? I want him. I want, I want to do what God has called me to do. I want in my life to be what God has said for us to be in such a way that other people will say, I want them on my team. I want them working for me. I want them helping out. Amen. Because you see, the church has a mission. The church has a mission. We're not just here haphazardly slipping through and slipping by, but we are here to do something. We're on a mission. And James 1 and verse 27 said, The pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit the orphans and widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. Amen. And so it is to minister to others. That's what religion is about. That's what a relationship with God is to do. It's not for us to see what we can get, but it's for us to minister to other people. To minister to the orphans. It speaks of those who are outcasts. The widows, those who have nobody. Amen. And we are to do it without unspottedness. How do we do that? We do that by doing it with the love of Christ. Amen. And when you make a choice, amen, that it's about others and not me, then we'll come to an understanding that every time we come to church, it's not for me. Amen. Whenever you decide that it's about others, we are doing our very best to, to help others to be able to come to this place and, and enjoy the presence of God. But whenever we make it about others, then we can't complain about having to walk to get a parking spot. Amen. Uh, There are some churches that aren't doing anything that you can pull right up to the front door and you can walk right in. But whenever you're doing something for the kingdom of God, y'all quiet up in here now. When you're doing something for the kingdom of God, it's going to require more from you. Amen. It's going to require doing more. And so that's the reason we're not going uh, having two Sunday morning services because it's easy. Hey, I, there's a part of me that would just love to sit back and go fishing and hunting and just come in here and have one service a week, go home and visit a few people through the week and, and just say, blessed be the name of the Lord. Come by y'all. Amen. But that's not what the kingdom is about. The kingdom is about finding the lost and the hurting and the broken and bringing them to Jesus. And so it requires more from us. Amen. And you see, we are all blessed today to be a blessing. Some people say, well, pastor, I just don't feel blessed. If you are living in America, you are blessed. If you're living here in America, you are blessed. You might have difficult times, but you are still blessed. 
Amen. Circumstances and situations may not be the greatest in your life, but just get you a ticket and go to a third world country and see how they live. And you'll come back saying, God has blessed me. Amen. Yes. Amen. When God blesses you, he don't bless you so that you can hoard up the blessing. He blesses you so that you can be a blessing to somebody else. Amen. Whenever God blesses you physically, financially, spiritually, he does not do that so that you can hoard it up. He doesn't do that so that you can feel chill bumps and say, oh, wasn't that wonderful and and all of that. He does that. He imparts into your life so that you can turn around and reciprocate that blessing back to somebody else. Encourage somebody else. Lift up somebody else. Speak into somebody else's life because God was generous and faithful to bless and speak into your life and encourage you. Now, since he has done that, you turn around and you speak into someone else's life, you bless them, you encourage them, and you lift them up with that same kind of love that God has shown you. Amen. Genesis 12 and 2 said, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. Amen. Tell your neighbor, I will be a blessing. When we bless others, God takes care of our needs. Amen. We started experiencing wonderful growth whenever we begin to bless other people. When we begin to reach out to our community, when we begin to uh, pray for those who are lost, and we begin to encourage and minister to those who are hurting, we begin to see God blessing this house and blessing individuals' houses because that we were blessing others. Amen? God guarantees that he will bless us if we will bless others. In Luke chapter 18, in verse 29, he said, I guarantee this, anyone who gives up anything for the kingdom of God, I will certainly receive many times more in this life and will receive eternal life in the world to come. So God says, I'm going to bless you double for just blessing somebody else. I'm going to bless you, first of all, not in the pie in the sky, but in the here and the now. Amen. That I'm going to bless you in this life. Say this life. I don't have to wait to heaven to get blessed. But in this life, God is going to return the blessing because I bless somebody else. Amen. The second blessing is in the world to come. Not only will I have life, but I will have life more abundantly. That means that after this life is over, God is going to take care of me. He is going to provide for me. He is going to not only give me hope in this world, but he is going to have give me hope in the world to come. Amen. And so I will, everyone will I live forever. Everyone will live forever. It's just the choice that we make where we're going to live forever. You see, if you don't accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, people say, well, the loving God that I know will not damn anyone to hell. He doesn't. You make that choice. You decide. 
He has given us the gracious opportunity to accept him as Savior and as Lord of our lives that we will not have to be separated from him for all of eternity. But it is our choice that if we are going to serve him or not, amen, and that determines if we will spend eternity in heaven with him and be, have a blessed life or we will spend eternity in hell lost and undone without him. Amen. Luke chapter 6 and verse 38 in the message, it says, Give your life away and you will find your life given back. But not merely given back, but given back with bonus and blessing. Not a, I'm not just going to give it back to you, but I'm going to give it back to you in bonus and in blessing. Amen. The more that we are blessed by God, the more he expects us to help others. He tells us that if you will do this, then I'll bless you abundantly. And so it's not, you know, in this Americanized world especially, it's all about me. And me, 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 what I like, what I want. Me, me, me. And, and, and we're all the time trying to fulfill the desires of me. But God's kingdom is an upside-down kingdom. To go up, you've got to go down. To increase, you must decrease. Amen. To be the head, you've got to become the tail. If you want to be first, you've got to learn how to be last. If you want to lead, you have to learn how to be a servant. And so it's an upside-down kingdom. And so whenever we begin to uh, understand this, we understand that God wants us to be a servant, he wants us to minister to others. And as a result of that, God will take care of us. Amen. Luke chapter 12 and verse 48, he said, Much is required from those who has given much, for the responsibility is greater. Amen. There's always this gravitational pull. I don't care who you are. There is always this gravitational pull to say, what about me? Who's going to take care of me? I've got to take care of me first, right? And what, I, what about what I like? What about what I enjoy? What about this? But before Jesus left, he was very clear in the assignment that he gave the church. It's called the Great Commission. And in, there's many different places that it is described in many different ways, but teaches the same thing. And in Colossians chapter 1 and verse 28, it said, We proclaim him, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone perfect in Christ. To this end, we labor, struggling with all his energy, which is powerfully works in me. Amen. And so the first thing he tells us is that we must proclaim him. Amen. And so when we proclaim Jesus, then people's lives are going to be changed. When we proclaim Jesus, those who are bound and tormented with demonic spirits will be set free. When we proclaim Jesus and put him first and foremost in our lives, and we say that that is the first responsibility, that we lift him up, that we glorify him, it is then that as we proclaim him, he said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. Amen. And so there is a drawing when we proclaim him. Amen. And so the commission, first of all, is to proclaim Jesus. 
Not to proclaim the church, not to proclaim an organization, not to proclaim the pastor, but to lift up Jesus Christ and to glorify him and to praise his name. Proclaim him as the high and exalted one. Amen. And then it says to admonish and to teach. Amen. Our goal must continue to be, our number one goal must continue to be to reach people. If we do ministry the way Jesus did ministry, sinners will be drawn to us and the religious people will mock us. You have to be, understand that. You have to be okay with that. Because some people are going to mock and they're going to criticize and they're going to condemn. When you do ministry the way Jesus did ministry, it's going to draw opposition. Amen. But I want you to know that as well, that when we do it like Jesus did it, that the hurting are going to find us. The broken are going to come to us. The lost are going to come to this place and God will set them free. Amen. The most important thing, the number one thing that we must do is reach the lost. Amen. If we will pay the price to reach the hurting and the broken, God will take care of your peanut business. Amen. If we will pay the price to make sure that that one more person is pulled out of the clutches of hell and brought into the marvelous light of Jesus Christ, God will take care of that thing that is aggravating you in the middle of the night. He will take care of those things that seem so insurmountable in your life. When we put him first and we reach the lost at any cost, amen, it will, God will take care of you and I, amen. The most important number that I get every month is not how much money came in this church. It's not how many people showed up every Sunday. The number one number that I get every month is how many people came to Jesus Christ this month. How many people's lives were changed? Because if we're seeing people's lives changed for the glory of God, God will take care of the finances. Amen. He'll take care of people being hungry to get up out of bed and come to the house of the Lord. He'll take care of everything else. If we are reaching the loss for Jesus Christ, he will provide and take care of you and I. Amen. Some of people may say, well, pastor, don't you think that the church, our church is big enough? As long as there's a heaven and there's a hell, the church is not big enough. As long as there's lost family members, friends and co-workers... As long as there are people that have not yet responded to the gospel of Jesus Christ, the church is not big enough. It's not so we can get a feather in our hat. I'm not running for anything. I'm not looking to go anywhere. Are you hearing me? I'm looking to pull somebody else out of the clutches of hell. I'm looking to say, God, make your kingdom great in this earth. Make your kingdom great in this valley. And touch and transform and change people's lives for your glory and for your honor. Amen. And the second thing that we must do is disciple them. Once we reach them, we must disciple them. Salvation happens in a moment. 
but discipleship is a lifetime. Let me say that again in case you missed it. Salvation happens in a moment. Jesus, forgive me of my sins. I confess you as Savior and Lord of my life and believe that you are the Son of God that was dead, was buried, and risen again that I could have life and have it more abundantly. Come into my heart, be Savior and Lord, and you are saved. Amen? But discipleship is a lifetime. That's the reason we have life groups, so that we can disciple. The Bible said iron sharpens iron. There ought to be safe places where that you can go and you can talk to one another in small groups. You don't do that where there's a couple hundred people. People aren't, you know, feel safe where there's two or three hundred people and and and. We come together and we don't know each other, but in those small groups, in those life groups, we can get to know each other and iron sharpens iron where we can have a little friction every once in a while, where we can talk about some things, huh? And we can have that connection where that we begin to be be discipled. And so it's a lifetime. And so if you're not in a life group, that's not wise. Amen. I said, if you're not in a life group, that's not, that's not wisdom. That's not wise. You need to be involved in a life group. And we have them here on Sunday mornings, Sunday nights, and, and you can get involved in them. It's not too late. And we can help you if you're not connected to get connected in one of them that you can enjoy and be discipled together. We've got to reach them. We've got to disciple them. And then we've got to teach them. That's why we have tab connections. It's, it's where we begin this journey. It's where we begin this process that we get to know about the church. And then we begin to get to know more about God. And we get into life groups. And we become a part of what God is doing, not only here in the sanctuary, but in the life groups. And, and we begin to walk that out daily. And God begins to change our lives. In Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 11 it said he gave himself, uh, and he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the working of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Now, this word perfect man here means doesn't mean that you are without flaws. It means that you have come to your full potential. And he says, I've given some to be apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, and evangelists to equip the saints to do the work of ministry so that you can come to your full potential. Amen. Does anybody want to come to their full potential in God? So that you can just, yes. So that you can just flourish and be all that God said you could be. Do all that God said you can do and be a part of what he is doing in the earth today, right? And so he wants you to be that. He wants you to come to your full potential and be involved in the kingdom of God. 
Now, as I stated earlier, every time that we come to church, a church isn't about us. (laughs) I know you wouldn't like that. I didn't think you would shout me down right there. (laughs) But it is true. Every time we come to church, it isn't about me. Right? Every time we come to church, these seats that I have up here this morning are represented in church. And on any given Sunday, I may be speaking to a particular chair. This chair represents the new babe in Christ. They can't even get in this chair by themselves. Somebody has to help them in the chair. And then once they get in the chair, they can't even feed themselves. Somebody has to spoon feed them. Put it in their mouth for them. Right? And so sometimes when we come to church, the message will be for this seat that it'll be something just spoon fed. And if you're not careful, you'll say, well, I didn't get nothing out of that today. But if, you're care- if you are that mature, then just watch because you'll learn how to feed somebody else. Amen. You'll learn how to take responsibility and begin to mature and develop somebody else in your life. Now, as they grow, they come on over here to this primary chair. It's a little bigger. They can get in the chair by themselves, but they still need some help. If I sat in this chair, I'd probably break it. But for the little one, they can get in the chair by themselves, but they still need somebody to lead them around. They still need somebody to tell them, that's not good for you. Don't touch that. It's hot. It'll burn you. They still need somebody to protect them and, and, and help them along the way and hold their hand and guide them and give them direction in their life. Amen? And so, and at some point, I'll preach a message to this chair to just give instruction and direction and correction so that I can protect them to the best of my ability, so they don't get burnt in life. Amen? And then there's this chair over here. This is the big boy's chair. This is the chair of maturity. This is the executive's chair. This is the soft chair. This is a chair when people have learned and they've matured and they've developed and they've been fed and they've been taught and they come to this place of maturity. And it's a good place to be. It's comfortable. You know the word. You know the promises of God. You know what God has for your life. You know what you're to do in life. Um, But it is also the most dangerous chair. Because when you're 
in the high chair, you have to have somebody help you. When you're in the primary chair, you need somebody to help you. But when you get to this place, you think that you need no more help. You're comfortable where you are. And you forget that God didn't bring you here so you can kick your feet up and enjoy life. But that he brought you here so you could get up and go back here. And say, I want to help you so you can get stronger and get out of this chair. And I want to bring you over here and help you. I don't know it all, but I can help you. And I want to speak into your life. And I want to be a blessing to you. So that I can see you grow and mature. One of the greatest joys of pastoring is to see people move from chair to chair to chair. As I watch you as pastor and see you develop and see you mature and see you take that next step and see you go from that one place to the next place. That's the reason why it causes me to get up on a Sunday morning and preach one more time. It's the reason why that I desire to see, amen, the kingdom and the house of God filled because it gives me the privilege to see somebody else come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ in a brand new way. But I've got to be careful that I don't get comfortable over here because I haven't come to everything God wanted me to be as long as I've just matured and developed. Saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Spirit on my way to heaven, glory to God. Well, bless your heart, but what about all the ones that are hurting? What about all the ones that are lost? What about the one that's still yet to hear the gospel and accept him as Savior and Lord? Amen? There's one other chair. He wants us to get up out of this chair. So we can take this chair. This chair represents the hurting. It represents the broken. It represents those who cannot get to God theirself. Somebody's hurt them. Somebody's dropped them. They're broken in their life. They want change. But the baby can't push the chair. The toddler can't push the chair. Somebody's got to get up out of this chair. So that others, we can push this chair and bring them into the kingdom of God. There's more people in this chair than you know. Oh, I know when you see this, you think of someone that's handicapped or limited in some way. I'm telling you that this represents the broken and the hurting. It represents those who cannot get to Jesus themselves. But they need somebody to tell them. If Jesus did it for me, he can do it for you.
I know you think you're hurting, baby girl, but listen, I was there when he walked out on me. I was there whenever the children didn't have anything to eat. Huh? I was there, man, whenever they gave me the pink slip and I didn't know what to do. Yeah, I know you're hurting. I know you're broken. I know the life is a mess, but I'm going to help you. I'm going to push you in to the presence of God. Because in his presence, nothing is missing and nothing is broken. Amen. So around you, around your workplace, around your house, around your community, there's a lot of people sitting in this chair waiting for somebody to get out of that chair to bring them to Jesus. Eighty-two percent of the people said if they were invited by a friend or family member to come to church, they would come. Eighty-two percent of people said if I were invited by a friend or family member to come to church, I would come. I want to challenge you. Invite them. Amen. Did you receive this packet on your way in? Anybody not receive this packet? Let's look at it together. And this packet contains... Everything that we will need to be successful in winning the lost in these eight-week challenge. First of all, you will see this bifold in there that has our ministry teams in it. We have seven ministry teams. There's six in here. Uh, the one that is not in here is our life groups because we're already in a semester and um, if you would like to be a part of leading that you can be a part of that on next semester but those are already in progress you it's not too late to get involved in one but we will uh, don't need any leaders at this time so it's not here but inside of this packet if you are not involved in a ministry team is our six ministry teams I want to say to you today that I need every one of you to be involved in one of these ministry teams. For us to be successful, I need every one of you to be involved in the, one of these ministry teams. I would like for you to put your name on there, your contact information, and then to mark one of these ministry teams that you would like to commit to for at least the next eight Sundays. These eight Sundays will begin on March the 25th. That is the Sunday that we will um, begin our uh, eight Sunday challenge. It will begin with Teen Challenge. Teen Challenge is those who have been uh, bound in uh, habits and addictions and circumstances of their life that they uh, have not been able to control. 
and God has set them free. We're going to share the word and people are going to be set free on that Sunday morning. Amen. Not only that, but we've got uh, a life group living free. Debbie and Harold uh, are leading that group. We're going to get them into that. It's the same curriculum that they are teaching there at that uh, that course. And they're uh, going to be sharing that. And their lives are going to be changed. <clears throat> and so, hear me today. The most precious commodity that I have here is you. If you don't get involved, this is your church. This is your family members. This is your friends, your co-workers. Help me to reach them. Will you do that? If you're not already involved, give me eight Sunday mornings and help me to reach this harvest. Will you do that? The second thing in your packet is this pray, invite, and serve. You can see that it'll bend, it'll fold in the middle, and it'll separate. It's already perforated there. And it is for seven names of people that we, you will be praying for to come to know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. I want you to write their names down on one, both of these, tear it apart, <clears throat> and keep one. And keep it in a place where it will remind you to pray for them every single day. The second part, we want you to turn in. And myself, as well as the staff and intercessors, will be praying every single day for these people's lives that they will be changed in this time of harvest. Okay? You with me so far? You with me? Say, I'm with you. This is paper here is another way to invite Facebook and then there's an invitation that you can text. It tells you the very specific details of how to do that. It's already on, um, set up. It's available for you. It's an easy way for you to send. Many of you are on Facebook every day. Why not make it a way to reach somebody for Jesus? Amen. So put it on there. Reach them. And then also there's a how to invite via text. All right? It's the most powerful way of communication that we have today. You have a letter in there from me sharing with you the specifics of all of this and how that you can be a part of that. And then there is two of these. The one that says baggage. I want you to, it is an invitation. I already said 82% of the people that said if they were invited by a friend or a family member would attend church with them if they were asked. Those seven people that you're praying for, this is an invite card to invite them to our first services in April. We'll have start, that'll be our start of the two Sunday morning services at 9 and 11. I want you to invite them. It'll also be the uh, start of our new sermon series on baggage. All of these will be life-changing messages that will challenge people to accept Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. And so, we're giving you the tools to be able to minister. Okay? I'm equipping you to do the work of ministry. And then the second packet is random acts of kindness. Kindness. 
The other week I was going somewhere by myself. I forget. I remember it was on a Sunday afternoon. I had to go somewhere. Perhaps I was preaching that night. I can't remember, but I was going through the toll booth. And when I pulled up to the toll booth, uh, the lady motioned me on and said, the guy in front of you paid it and said, have a good day. Now that was just two bucks. How many know he didn't have to do that? And as I was on my journey, I began to think about that. I don't know if this man's a Christian or not, but he just gave two bucks to somebody he don't even know. And I thought, what would happen if we would do that? Just go through McDonald's in the morning and say, I won't pay for the person behind me there and just give them this card. So it's practice random acts of kindness, and then it just has on the back, you can read it. Please enjoy this random act of kindness, courtesy of Tabernacle of Praise, and gives them our address. It's just seven of them. Amen? You say, well, Pastor, I don't have a whole lot of money. I don't think any, I, you know, I don't think any of us have a whole lot of money, but if you ain't got five bucks, you're already broke, so just give it up. Amen. And as we pray together, and as we work together, I am believing God. I'm believing God that we will put others first. We will pray, we will invite, and we will serve. That this will be the greatest season that the tabernacle has ever known. As souls coming to Jesus Christ. You may say, well, Pastor, I don't know. The last couple of years have been pretty good. I, I believe that was just a launching pad for where we're going. We'll never make it without you. I need your help. Can you hear my heart today? I need your help. But if you will help me. We will see the greatest move of God and the greatest harvest we have ever seen. Amen. Praise God. Well, isn't God good? Hallelujah. Amen. With your heads bowed for just a moment. I want to give you opportunity. Maybe there's someone here today that don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. Maybe you don't know him for yourself, but you would say today, I want to know him. And you would just raise your hand today and say, I want to accept Jesus as my Savior today. I'm not going to embarrass you or point you out. I just.